The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He is the caregiver, life bringer. I'm not bound down. Greener grass simply cannot be found. In all of creation's foundation, I find my salvation in the palm of his hands. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He finds joy in sustaining my heart rate so that I might stride and step to his cadence. My cup overflows. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. There is nothing lurking behind any corner that my shepherd cannot dismantle. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Waves of hate on my left, ocean of foes on my right, the sea of deceiving voices that prowl at the gaze of my mind. And yet in the presence of all of this, you anoint my head with oil. You set me apart and I rise to the top. Bubbling up until life cascades and displays the abundance of ways that you have brought life to my core. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, stirring up the aroma of heaven with every single step that I take. The flavor of my life is favor and my cup overflows. And as if all of this was not enough, I, a broken man with guilty hands, I, the prodigal son, the forgiven one, I, the redeemed, yes, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. My cup overflows. All right. Well, welcome to Waypoint. I'm glad that you're here today. My name is Nick Ramundo, and I'm going to be talking on the spoken word that you just heard. Um, It referenced uh, a certain psalm, and it talks about a certain relationship, but but if you're still not quite sure what we're gonna talk about today, I wanna give you one more hint, and it might be something that you saw on social media this week, but but one second. Come here, boy. All right, yes. So I really hoped to, uh, thank you. I really hoped to have a real sheep here with me today, but um, this equally as handsome and somewhat as dumb sheep had to do. So thank you for stepping out making an appearance. We are gonna be talking about the relationship between a sheep and a shepherd. See, I would guess at some point during that spoken word, you recognize something in your life. Maybe you recognize that you've heard that psalm somewhere. Psalm 23 is quite possibly one of the most famous sections of scripture in the Old Testament. It's all over the place. It's it's in our pop culture. It's in songs. It's in movies. It's what's said at somebody's funeral. It's what's said when they portray the convicted um, convict who's about to be killed and put to death but has changed his life and is following Jesus, he repeats that right before his death. In, in fact, 
I've grown up in the church and I knew this psalm really well, but every time I would hear it, I would think of a song. I would think of a 1990s rap by Coolio called Gangster's Paradise that was part of a movie when he would start out by saying, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. All right, probably not gonna leave Waypoint to start my rap career. But whether you are in the church or you are not in the church, you know this psalm for some reason. And in this psalm, Psalm 23, can impact our life. But the problem is, we might not fully grasp what the psalmist meant when they wrote it. Because if you've been around Waypoint for a little while, you would have been here when Blair did the series called um, To Us, or For Us, Not To Us. And what it was all about was how the scripture was written for us so that we would understand the guidelines that God had for us. We could understand the love story of him sending his only son so that his grace, love, and mercy would surround us. And we would know how we could pursue a life that would honor him. However, it was never written to our culture today. It was written to a different culture, to a different group of people, and there were different geographical elements that we may not understand. And so when we read through Psalm 23, we take different beliefs or meanings based on our view of the world instead of the view of the landscape when the psalmist wrote this. And so today, what I would like to do is walk through all six verses with you and see, is there any way that this psalm could speak? to you and I's life, and could we use it to help us adjust course towards Christ? So, to give you a little bit of a background, this psalm has been credited to David. Now, what's really interesting about this is there are people out there that argue there's no way David could have written this, that it, it sounds way too much like an ancient Babylonian love song. Maybe somebody else wrote it. Well, I'm not exactly sure where I stand, but I'm going to take the Bible for what it says, and I'm going to say, okay, maybe David was influenced by that love song, or maybe David was influenced by something else, but I believe that David wrote that, and I believe he wrote it at a time of his life when he had a lot of life experience. See, when you read through it, you start to see a bunch of different elements of somebody would have written that, that had went through a whole bunch Maybe, maybe somebody wrote it that had already slayed Goliath. Or somebody wrote it that had been chased around and persecuted by a king because the king was jealous of him. Or maybe by somebody that had an affair with his neighbor and then had someone murdered to cover it up. See, these were all things that David did. But at the end of the day, when he reflects on his life, he understands that he was on a journey with Christ And based on this journey, there are highs and lows, but he wanted to write this as a praise to God. See, I think what's really cool is that Blair and I did not talk about what I was going to speak about or how he was going to end the This Is Us series. But if you were here last week, we finished our series called This Is Us. We talked about, does nature or nurture impact your life more? And what we concluded was both influence your life. However, what God is really concerned about is your heart. And he can use anybody whose heart is right and in the right place. And even though David had a ton of mistakes 
And even though when you look through scripture, some of the most powerful biblical characters had tons of mistakes, God still used them. And I believe if you and I can have our heart right with the Lord and can have the right attitude, then he can use you and I. So what I would like to do is to dive through the six verses in Psalm 23. In front of you, you're going to see that there's a piece of paper. On the other side of that piece of paper, it has each verse written. And then on the bottom of it, there is a line or a little bit of a space. I'm going to talk about each psalm. I'm going to explain the cultural context and what was going on. And then I'm going to ask you to jot something down. Whatever you feel on your heart that you should put down there based on the question I ask you, I ask that you're just committed to the Holy Spirit and that you jot that down. But before we uh, can start doing that, we've got to look at each verse. So let's go ahead and dive in to verse 1 of Psalm 23. Verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Some translations say I shall not lack. I don't need anything. I'm full when God is my shepherd. What's happening is that David is writing this from the view of him being a shepherd and knowing sheep. And then he starts to translate this into the fact that he is the sheep and God is his shepherd. And he knows what it means to be a good shepherd because David was a good shepherd. It means you take care of all of the needs of your sheep. You care for them. You love them. They don't lack anything when you're a good shepherd. But what's really interesting is I don't know if anyone here has um, any interaction with sheep or knows anything about them, but sheep are some really dumb animals. In fact, they're, they're scared of their own shadow. They're very skittish. They, they run away from people. They, they put their head down and they just graze when they're going through life and they just keep going and they could move away from the flock and all of a sudden lift their head up and be in danger. Or, or there is even a story about how in Ireland there was a group of people that were raising sheep for slaughter. And when they got to slaughtering day, they lined up two sheep. And once they lined up the two sheep and were getting ready to take them into the barn, all the rest of the sheep got in line and just followed suit. They didn't have to do any work to get the rest of them. The sheep got in line to willingly die. And, and when we think about a sheep and how dumb they are, it's easy to look at this. But when we think about what David was doing, he was saying, I, I'm just as dumb as that sheep when God's not my shepherd. See, I, I'm scared of things that I can't control. I'm worried about financial security. I'm worried about my family. I'm worried about all sorts of things, and I can allow fear to consume my life when God is not my shepherd. Not, not just that, but I put my head down, and I'm stubborn at times. Where I say, yeah, God, I know you want this, but I'm gonna keep going. I know that you wanna step in and help, but I'm gonna keep moving. And even at times, I myself have gotten in line to go to the slaughterhouse. Now, maybe it didn't create a physical death, but a spiritual separation from God, where I said, yeah, I know, God, you want to handle that situation, but, but I really like doing this, so I'm going to hold on to it, and I'm going to keep on going, even though it means that we're going to create distance from each other. See, I think when we don't put God first in our life, when he's not our shepherd, we start to lack things in life. 
And so what I want you to do right now is I want you to jot on that first line one thing that you feel like you've lacked in life. Maybe you feel like you haven't had the courage to speak up. Maybe you feel like you haven't been a good parent, a good spouse, a good student, a good teammate, a good friend. What is one area in your life over the past few weeks that you have just struggled and you feel like, man, I've dropped the ball and I am lacking in this area. Go ahead and take 10 seconds and just write something down. All right, while you're uh, finishing jotting something down, I'm gonna go ahead and continue because verse two is probably my favorite verse in this psalm. And there's two different things that are going on. See, we start off and it says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. And I wanna take that first section first and look at that. See, for me, what I thought that meant for a long time was that when God is my shepherd, he's gonna take me into a green pasture. And I had an image of a green pasture around here. Maybe something with fields full of food that I could eat and be taken care of. And that all of my provisions would be met. And I thought, if I put God first, and if he's my good shepherd, then everything that I need will be met. But the problem was, life happened. And things started to go wrong, and I started to doubt my relationship with God. God, you say that you're going to be my good shepherd, and you're going to lead me into green pastures, and you're going to take care of my every need, but life is tough. What's going on? Do I not have a right relationship with you? Well, the, the truth is, when we think of a green pasture, we think of the fields around here. But what a green pasture would have been in Israel would have been a lot more like the picture right there on your screen. It's a very rocky desert terrain. And so there's not a lot of overflowing greenness all around. In fact, what would happen is where the rocks were built up, water would get trapped, and then little sprouts of grass would come up. And so a good shepherd would take his sheep and would walk through a pasture where every two to four steps, the sheep's needs were met. And so all the sheep did was kept its head down, trusting that the shepherd would meet his needs exactly where they were. Whatever situation they were facing, they knew they were two to four steps away from their next piece of food. And then the second part of that verse says, you lead me by quiet waters or still waters. Well, since it was a desert terrain, whenever rain does happen, it doesn't happen very often, it creates a flash flood. The ground is not able to handle it. See, when I would think of quiet waters, I would think of something like a beautiful lake around here where it looks almost calm and glassy. But the truth is, when they would have an opportunity to get water, it might look a lot more like this, where a sheep would not be able to sustain themselves or stand there and drink. And, and what I think is so cool is that a good shepherd will find a place for the sheep to be able to drink safely, even in the midst of their storm. And so for what you and I need to realize is what David was trying to say was when life happens, but God is your good shepherd, he will give you what you need in that very moment. 
You don't have to worry about what's coming up over the hill. You don't have to worry about what's around the bend. When the storms of life are swarming you and you don't understand how you're even going to survive, God will show up and he will provide for you. He will give you the provision that you need when life isn't going the way that you think it should be. What I want you to do is to write down a storm that you may be facing right now in life. It might be something big, like a death of a loved one, or it might be something smaller where you're just questioning, is this the right job that I should be in? I don't have a lot of happiness, passion, or purpose. Whatever storm you may be facing, go ahead and write that down now. All right, verse number three. Verse number three says, he refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Or he restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Well, like I said earlier, a sheep would put its head down and just graze. And then after a period of time, the sheep may lift his head up and realize the flock and shepherd are nowhere to be found. They've gotten off course. They've gotten lost. They don't know how to get back to safety or to their group. And a good shepherd that's paying attention to his flock will grab the sheep and pull them back in and will continuously keep them on the right path. Unfortunately, there are times in our life where we put our head down and we just keep going. And we don't allow the good shepherd to come into our life and, and bring us back on the right path. We, we know that we should be spending time with God, but we say, God, God, I'm just so busy right now. Please just give me a moment. We, we know that we should give him whatever struggles we're dealing with, but we might say, God, God, listen, I gotta handle work. I know that I should spend more time with family, but I gotta keep doing this. God, I know I shouldn't be talking to my spouse this way. God, I know I shouldn't be watching these things. I know I shouldn't be, be talking this way, but, but I can handle it. I'm in control. I got this. And we put our head down and we just keep moving forward. And then all of a sudden, we lift our head up like the sheep would, and we realize we are so far off course that we've missed the mark. There have been times in my life where I have been stubborn and put my head down and I've just kept going and then all of a sudden I look up and I realize, wow, I'm in this deep, dark pit by myself and I can see what righteousness looks like way off in the distance, but how do I even get back there? How do I even get on the right path? How do I start following after God again? I need to readjust my heart and fix it back on course with him. Because a good shepherd will grab his sheep and pull him back on. But our good shepherd, God, he, he wants it to be a relationship. And he wants it to be a two-way street. And so if you choose to put your head down and keep going in your direction, he's going to honor that. But as soon as you lift your head up, he's going to grab you and pull you back on the right path. And sometimes we're so far gone that when he does that, there's nothing we can do other than credit God 
This had to be God stepping into our life, getting a hold of our heart and bringing us back on. And when we do that and when we talk about that, it glorifies the good shepherd and it points others to the good shepherd so they have a chance to lift their head up and see there may be a different way of living. Now, I don't know for you what may have knocked you off the path or where you have your head down and you're just going in one direction. Maybe it's just a guilty pleasure that you don't really think is that big of a deal. Maybe it's a habit. Maybe it's a hurt that you have and it's hardened your heart so you're like, yeah, God, I'm not gonna give you that piece of me. I wanna hold on to that still for a little bit longer. But what I want you to do right now is to jot down whatever it is that God is, the Spirit's prompting you in to put down that may be a habit maybe a hurt, maybe something that you know is outside of God's bounds that isn't good for your heart, but you're still kind of holding on to it because you're just not yet ready to give that over to him. Go ahead and jot down where your head is and where you're going off course a little bit. All right, verse number four, probably the most famous section of this scripture. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. That's one translation, and then here's another. another. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So to understand this section of scripture, we have to understand two tools that a shepherd would use. A good shepherd in ancient times would have a rod, a relatively short stick that was a solid piece of wood, kind of like a bat. And then he would have a staff that's the longer shepherd's hook looking thing that we think of a lot when we think of a shepherd. And so a shepherd would use that little rod to defend off any predators or wolves from its flock. He would jump in between the flock and the enemy to protect them in a moment's notice. But then he would also use the shepherd's hook to help guide the sheep back on the right path. So when they had their head down and they were going away from the flock, they would reach out and grab them and pull them back. And they would reach out and grab them and pull them back. And the shepherd would use these two tools to continue to move his flock from one place to the next. And a shepherd, or a sheep, even though they're not that smart of an animal, they understood the shadow of death. They didn't know what death meant, but they understood shadows. And so when they would be walking through mountains and they would see a dark area up ahead, they would start to panic or freak out. But if a shepherd was a good shepherd, they would know that in a moment's notice, that shepherd would jump in between them and any predator or danger or enemy and would protect them. And so a sheep would go ahead and walk through that shadowy area, even though they weren't very comfortable with it, because they knew the shepherd was leading them. So no matter what fear they had in their life, they knew they could make it through it. And there are even cases of a shepherd 
that had a sheep that was so stubborn and kept going off course so many times and they kept pulling them back on course, kept pulling them back on course and they didn't quite understand how to stay with the group and so the shepherd would break that sheep's leg. And now that seems kind of harsh and sad but it was done out of love because as soon as that shepherd broke that sheep's leg, what that meant was for the next few weeks to months, the shepherd would have to put that sheep on his shoulders and carry that sheep around. And during that time, the sheep would realize, this guy cares for me. He loves me. He's feeding me. He's giving me water. He's meeting my every need. And then when the sheep was finally healed and was off on its own, it would stay close to the shepherd. I like to think about this in a humanistic way, like parenting. I am sure that there's a lot of different views on spanking or discipline here, and I don't want to step into that and cause any issues, but I also know that when you discipline with the right heart attitude, you're doing it because you want to see your children be protected to get better. You know that if they continue doing what they're doing, they're headed down a dangerous path. At times, a shepherd would discipline its sheep by saying, listen, you're going in towards danger. Stay with me. Stay here. And if they had to break the leg, they would. Now, I don't think that you or I would want to carry a stinky sheep around. And I also don't think that Jesus wants to carry a stinky, dirty Nicromundo around. But at times, I'm so far off course, I've made decisions to distance myself that the only way to get back is when life hits the fan all around me because of some of my own decisions that I've made or decisions others around me have made, God will pick me up, put me on his shoulders, and will carry me, will lead me through any situation I'm facing. Now, I was talking to somebody this week, and as I was talking to her, she said that she, uh, she found her spouse deceased after many years of marriage. And when she found her spouse, that was the worst moment of her life. And she said it was also the best moment. And she said, that sounds really weird. But in those moments, God showed up. He came into her life and was present in a way that he never was before. She didn't know how she was going to make it through life without her spouse. Somebody that she was loved, loved and committed to. But God showed her how to make it each day, providing for her very need to make it to the next day. And she learned to lean on God in a way that she had never done before. Now, I do not believe her spouse passed away because of the distance in her heart and with God. But I think when storms come into our life, God wants to show up in your life and give you everything you need to make it to the next moment to the next moment, and to continue to grow and grow closer to him. This verse, verse number four, is all about fear and how we fear things in life. But the truth is, no matter what we fear, God is willing to step in and to step in between the enemy and you. So I want you to write down something that you've been fearing in life recently. Maybe you're fearing that your marriage is failing. Maybe you're fearing that you're not raising your kids in the right way, or you're afraid that you don't have a right relationship with God, or you have anxiety and depression, and you fear what life's going to look like. Just jot down something quickly that has to do with you in fear.
All right, verse number five. This is really interesting because verse one through four all have very animalistic characteristics. But when we read verse five, it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. I I don't know about you, but I've never seen sheep sit at a table and eat with their enemies. So it's starting to transition into a very humanistic approach. Verse one through four are showing our relationship with God through the lens of an animal's relationship with his shepherd. This is starting to translate into you and I's life and our relationship with God. And God knows that there's gonna be enemies in our life. There's gonna be hard times, people that we don't agree with, and think situations we have to work through to try and make things better. And just like a good shepherd would step in between the enemy and his sheep to protect them, God wants to step into your situation with your enemy. And what's really cool about this verse is that word, anointed, you have anointed my head, means to fatten or to grow. And so it's saying, not only is God going to prepare a table where you get to sit down with your enemies and work through whatever situations you're dealing with, at the end of it all, you are gonna grow through this situation, so much so that your cup overflows. See, in this culture, you would never sit down with your enemy. The only people that you would eat with were people that you knew or were close to. You might not even have a meal with an acquaintance. But here, what this is saying is God is going to provide an opportunity for you to get along or make things right with enemies in your life. Not only just make things right, but you're going to grow through the situation. And so that may mean that you need to have humility to admit your wrongs and say you're sorry. It may mean that you need to have the strength to talk to whoever hurts you and say, listen, when this happened, it caused a lot of problems in my life, and this is how it made me feel. It may mean that you have to deal with something that you've hidden deep down and haven't given God a shot at for a really long time because somebody wronged you and you're just not really willing to let go of that wrong that they did to you. See, sometimes our enemies are some of the closest people to us, family, friends, loved ones, They've hurt us, but what God wants to do is he wants to step into that situation and mend that relationship in a way that you grow through it. So what I would like you to do right now is to write down the name of somebody that you are struggling to get along with right now. Maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a loved one, maybe it's the person that's sitting at the table with you right now. And you're just having a hard time connecting with them. And you guys need to have an honest conversation where you can grow through that. But I want you to jot that name down now. All right. The last verse kind of sums up everything. It's saying... If, if you understand what it means to have a good shepherd leading your life, and you can get these things right, then, then verse six has to be true. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If, if you can continue walking through your journey following after Christ, 
And after situations happen and you continue to put your trust in him, you continue to put your faith in him, if you can do that and you keep pursuing this relationship and you keep pursuing after it and you allow God as shot at your heart, then surely goodness and loving kindness will follow you and you will dwell in his house forever. What, what I want you to do, and we're going to talk about it a little bit more, but I want you to just write down in your mind, what do you envision when you think of that sentence that you will dwell in his house forever? What does that mean by dwelling in the house of the Lord forever? Just go ahead and jot down a few words that you think that looks like. See, here's, here's what I think. I think that this psalm was written thousands of years ago before Jesus came and died on the cross. But I think it was a foretelling for us of the good shepherd that was to come. See, Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice that hung on the cross for you and I. And if you and I are willing to trust him as the good shepherd, then he'll step into your relationship when you're lacking something and you need some sort of strength to work through that situation. If you allow him to come into your life, he, he will lead you by still waters and he will give you everything you need when the storms come, even though it really doesn't make sense. He'll get you back on the path of righteousness if you open up your heart and you're willing to allow him to bring you back on the path. He wants to step into your life and help you make a change, a just course closer to him. And if you choose that lifestyle, then you have a shot at understanding what it means to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But the truth is, we are all humans. Just like David, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to get knocked off course. We're going to sin. But what we do with that afterwards is what matters. Do we recognize it and turn back to the good shepherd or do we keep going in our sinful ways? See, I don't know if you're here today and, and you've never heard about who Jesus was, but I hope you understand that Jesus wants to come into your life and help you adjust course so that you can know what it means to dwell in the house of the Lord. Maybe you've been following God for a while but you've been making some mistakes along the way and you need to just kind of adjust your course. Or maybe things have been going great in life, but there were some things that God revealed to you this morning and you jotted those down. Whatever situation you're facing, what you have in front of you is a game plan or a prayer plan for what you should focus on. It's a, it's a good telling of where your relationship with the good shepherd, with Jesus is at. There may be things that you need to talk to him about, that you need to present to him. Maybe some of them didn't even impact you and there was nothing for you to write down. Maybe others, there were things for you to jot down. Whatever it is, I urge you to give those to the good shepherd and allow him to start working on your heart little by little so you can understand what it means to dwell in the house of the Lord. I'm gonna ask the band to come up. 
And while the band comes up, they're going to play a song, and you're just going to kind of sit there and reflect on this song, plus what you've heard. What I'm going to ask is if the Holy Spirit prompts your heart to, to do anything or to think about anything, that you just entertain a conversation with him right now where you are in your walk with the Lord. But if you would, please bow your heads and let's say a prayer before they play the song. Dear Lord, the truth is you are the good shepherd. You, uh, you want goodness in our life, but because we are humans, we make mistakes. The mistakes don't define us, but give us an opportunity to turn back to you. What I pray is right now, if there is somebody here that, that has been on their own path for a while, maybe they got knocked off the path of righteousness and they're trying to figure things out on their own, that they use these moments to make things right with you. That they talk to people that maybe they felt like were their enemy for a long period of time and they try and right that wrong. That, that they understand that sometimes you have to use the rod to discipline us and to get us back on course. And as soon as that happens, you pick us up and you carry us through every situation that we face in life. Lord, you don't want to see us hurt. You don't want to see us deal with things. But sometimes our own choices lead to destruction. What I pray is that as a community of believers, we can adjust course towards you and that we can continue growing towards what you've called us to do so we can dwell in your house forever. In your name I pray, amen.